Good afternoon, happy Sunday. I hope your week has been amazing. This week we have a great and really new type of topic coming at you this week. Today we, well actually it wasn't recorded today. <laughs> Throughout the week Brian and I had been talking and we, when we were talking about really what we wanted to talk about, it occurred to us that sports really didn't get a big highlight when it came to news, politics, all of these things. But when you look at sports, what is something that they're always talking about? Something that is big and um, that really has infiltrated the sports culture. And something that we've realized is that there are political messaging from different athletes and different groups of sports teams that continue to come with political messaging as well as news organizations pressing that onto them. Culture is telling them this and this and this and they're having to filter through it all. We also highlight the Olympics and our thoughts on that. So that's all I'm going to say on the Olympics. Um, please tune in to hear everything that either Brian says and then I we're just adding on to each other throughout the whole entire episode and it is amazing. One of my favorite recordings and episodes. So listen to this week's episode. I highly encourage it. Before we get to the initial recording, I want to tell you guys about, because we didn't really get the time to cover trans athletes in sports nowadays because that's the huge thing college collegiate athletes inviting trans either trans women in women's sports um, or trans women in men's sports trans men and women whatever it may be there is that uprising conflict of hey these people still have testosterone in their body how is it fair that they are either if they are a male who is transitioning into a woman, um, which is a very interesting process if you actually read about it, how is it fair that they are still able to do this thing, still compete when they still have high testosterone levels? So I want to read some studies to you guys. I, I can't make any of this up. This is all research. This is all just straightforward. I want to read some of these studies to you guys because I wanted to highlight this in this episode but didn't get the time to. So a study was published in the Journal of the Endocrine, um in doctrine practice that found that only one quarter of trans women treated with oral testosterone blockers and oral estrogen therapy could lower their testosterone levels to the usual female psychological range. But the study found that 75% of those trans women failed to suppress their testosterone through medical intervention alone. So that kind of shows that even though they're taking these hormone blockers, they're taking therapy for lowering their, um, or I guess hiring their estrogen levels, if that's the way, because yes, <laughs> um, that's the way they're doing it, they're still having a high amount of testosterone. What is this telling us scientifically on the basis, just logic here, what is this telling us? Well, this is telling us that naturally men have a high level of testosterone. God made men with testosterone. And what did God make women with? He, he made them with estrogen. And so when we're unnaturally putting these different types of 
things in our bodies that doesn't go with our genetic makeup, it's going to mess some things up. (laughs) It's not going to work well. And again, we see that it's not going to work because God didn't make us that way. God made, and we see this in Genesis, if I'm going to bring my biblical perspective in, we see this in Genesis. Genesis talks about how God made male and female in his image, and that is the only thing he made. He didn't make 35 or 100 different genders, and I know that's going to step on some people's toes, but that's just the way it is, and it's so fascinating now that we're seeing this, that it's just not working. And it's so fascinating to see that God's makeup of human beings, how detailed and designed it was, is working for hundreds of years later. And it's staying the same way. Biology only has two genders, male and female. Okay, another study by sports scientist Tommy Lundberg and published in the National Library of Medicine found that trans women generally retain their strength levels after one year and maintained an edge and strength over cis women. So he states in the DW, the big problem right now is that the hormone therapy itself doesn't really remove the advantage to um, the extent that you can claim the fairness has been achieved. So actually the IOC or the International Olympic Committee, which we were talking about the Olympics in the episode, which you'll have to come and listen right after I finish this, Um, but it states that the overriding objective is and remains, which is very interesting because when we look at the IOC's studies and also their rules for trans women and trans men, it, it is always changing. So it's funny that they read here or write here that it remains um it it says it guarantees fair competition well we've obviously seen with some things this wasn't through the olympics but we've seen with college swimming that leah thomas that's that's not fair competition and i think that we have to continue and continue to talk about this continue and continue to press this i am very proud um and hopefully like it happened more and more that the people on her team were not okay with this. They were uncomfortable with Leah Thomas, who was biologically male, transitioning into a female, but you can tell that Leah Thomas is still a male. Imagine having a biological male in your locker room. Imagine having a biological male... um, just being in your locker room, that's the biggest thing because there is um, co-ed swimming. I think that's totally fine. Like, co-ed swimming's fine. Competition-wise, no. You need to be in your biologically gendered categories where it is male and female makeup because men and women are going to swim different. We, we know this. Men and women are going to run different. Men and women have all different types of makeups because that is God- that is how God made us. That's how it's going to come out. Um, so in my last study that I want to read to you guys, I can't make this up. This is all science. This is all here. This is all what science and God says. God says that there are only male and females. So in a PubMed study released in early 2021, researchers found that the performance gap between males and females becomes significant 
at puberty. Puberty is like middle school, guys. This is <laughs> this is known in early education. This is known when you're like seventh grade, eighth grade. This is crazy. And even then, don't even make me go back to like when someone's born, you know, <laughs> and how you know. But it says that performance gap between males and females becomes significant at puberty. Pointedly, it concludes longitude studies examining the effects of testosterone suppression on muscle mass and strength in transgender women constantly show very modest changes, where the loss of lean body mass, muscle area, and strength typically amounts to approximately 5% after 12 months of treatment. Thus, the muscular advantage enjoyed enjoyed by transgender women is only minimal reduced when testosterone is suppressed. That means that basically you are suppressing everything that this biological male has. You're not making anything great out of this person. When a um, doctor, it could be a doctor, we are seeing that now, psychiatrists and counselors can start prescribing having testosterone blockers which is insane to me it should always be the parent's choice parent kid talking to each other there has to be some level of communication when it comes to this because this is a huge deal not only is testosterone blockers going to destroy the genetic natural makeup of this male if they are in high school if you choose to do this high school it's not reversible that is something that they're going to constantly tell you that it is reversible. You can stop it or whatever and go back to normal. No, when you start messing with that, it is going to have a lasting effect, just like anything else. If you smoke, if you drink, if you do anything that is going to affect your body, it's going to permanently damage it. And yes, you might get some health back after if you choose to stop, but there's still going to be some problems. Um, and so... It continues that sports organizations should consider this evidence when reassessing current policies regarding the participation of transgender women in the female category of the sport. And what I come out of this thinking is that there is no way that it is completely and 100% fair that these trans women who are, let's just say, say it how it is, they're males, are competing with these women who don't have an ounce of testosterone in their body. That's just my, that's my opinion. <laughs> and these are the studies I've read to you. So with that said, I want to jump into the interview. I know we took a little bit of time for this, but I wanted to cover it because it's such a huge topic. Thank you guys so much for listening to me. Now you get to listen to Brian so much better than me. And I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. So here we go. Today we are with um, Brian Clutter and we are here. He has a podcast called The Counterthought Podcast. I encourage you to go listen to it. Some amazing things on there. It's more on the range of politics, something that I kind of veer away from. So um, you can listen to me for your um, biblical aspects and then go over to Brian's podcast and get your fill of 
news, daily news, everything that has to do with economics and everything around that center point. But Brian, do you want to introduce yourself to us, really get um, a feel for who you are? Yes, of course. And thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm the host, the creator, the producer, the, the everything of the Counterthought Podcast, which the goal is to conserve America's freedom, culture, and values. Um, conservative myself, tackle everything like you just mentioned, from politics to cultural topics, um, ranging just from the daily life to, you know, actually looking at things and how the, the Christian faith and, and everything like that, the Christian church and how that can be used and should be used more, you know, within society. So I lean, like you said, a little more on the political side, but I do jump back and forth um, between between politics and, and culture. Uh, you can find the podcast on anywhere you listen to your podcast app. Um, and then I have video, which would be YouTube and Rumble, and then IG is at counter underscore thought or at counter thought CEO. Awesome. Find me anywhere almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll link all of those things in the bio of this episode so people can find you. Um, but I think today we are going to be talking about sports, which is something yes. that when I was researching for this, which I've done a podcast episode on the Olympics when it was happening, the Beijing Olympics, um, no one really talks about sports. Um, people will write here and there about how woke it is and kind of they stay on the same narrative even though if they are conservative they just really stick to yeah it's wrong that trans men or women are competing in either sport um, or they'll talk about how um, having a political messaging in your sports program is wrong or isn't either way. Um, that's pretty much all I could find. So today I kind of want to dig deep and really f talk about everything that's not being talked about. So I guess my first question for you is, um, how has virtue signaling, as some may say, infiltrate and taint our sports? Yeah, so um, I will admit sports was my first love. I actually went to, to school and college and everything to work in the sports industry. But you're right. Um, there's not a there's not a big conversation. The person that I hear the most talk about sports would be uh, Clay Travis and his whole outkick um, deal, which now is owned by Fox and everything else. But in in my opinion, the reason why people do not the, the virtue signaling, I think I think it comes from I guess a couple different a couple different things. There's a fear. Well, first I would say that these these leagues, like the, the main ones, you know, the NBA, the NFL, Major League mm -hmm. Baseball, the NHL pretty much like stayed out of it here in American sports, but just, you know, the major leagues, they, they, I think they believe that they are appealing to the majority mm -hmm. of their market, the majority of their viewers, their fans, their supporters. However, that's, that's not really the case. And it's, it's no longer to where, it, you know, people go around accusations all the time, such as, you know, you're, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, you're a bigot, you're this, you're that, you know, every, the other thing. So it's no longer like, you know, you're, the assumption is not you are not these things unless you show us through your actions and your words that, that you are actually, you know, a racist or a bigot or a misogynist or a sexist and all these. Now it's like for the progressive, the most progressive left, they want you to 
say that you are anti all of those things. Right. So I feel like the virtue signaling, that's one of the, that's why they're doing it. One of the reasons why it's because it's no longer enough to just, you know, just be uh, for the assumption to be, Hey, we're, we're not X, Y, Z. You now have to say, Hey, I am not X, Y, Z. And those of us like myself, you know, sports just used to be a <laughs> still a term that, uh, that, you know, kind of used to make fun of and stuff with, it would be like the safe space. You know, when you're going and you're, you have that common, the team, you know, that commonality between you and, you know, however many fans are in the arena or in the football stadium, whatever, it, the focus is not, hey, you know, when you're not here, what are your politics? What is, right. what, what, you know, are you, what religion do you practice? You know, and all these different things. It's, hey, we're here, we're the, we're fans of, you know, X, like my favorite baseball team is the Atlanta Braves. Um, so, you know, if I'm at a Braves game, everyone there is a Braves fan and that's something we share in common. And that's mm -hmm. the focus of being at a sporting event. But these, um, these leagues, like, like I said, the NFL, the NBA, major league baseball, they, to me, they're so scared of the backlash that like they just virtue signal because as we've seen, whenever their bottom dollar, the bottom line, the money is affected, mm -hmm. then they start to walk it back. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you, and I think that's such a good point to bring up that um, it was such a safe space, and I think I wrote that down on my questions that everything was so being, it was so jumbled up in 2020 where we had to stay home that initial first month, I think it was that, um, until we figured out that, hey, this kind of all a ruse and, you know, <laughs> and sports was our safe space. No one was affecting it at that time. And actually, um, what we want to talk about today is that it actually was affected before 2020, that China has had many um, connections money-wise to sports like NBA um, teams. And it's crazy how we didn't even know about this. But um, with the NBA specifically, because I'm a huge basketball fan, love watching basketball. Um, and so I think that it was something to go to when everything else was tainted. You couldn't really watch the news without feeling anxious. Or um, I think at that time we started to see some of that woke indoctrination into our TV shows and other things like that. I, I think that you're so right by saying that it was such a space that was preserved until now, of course. And so another thing you said was that they usually walk back their statements when um, either the managers for those teams or the coach says, hey, that was a wrong thing to do. We're losing money off of this. You kind of need to backtrack. Um, but at that point, it's already said and you're already known as a team or a player who has a political opinion and you'll be known for that kind of like Colin Kaepernick. He's known as mm -hmm. the guy who will kneel and who will wear a BLM shirt or um, anything like that. So it taints your reputation when you do that. Another question I have is, what is the biggest thing that bothers you about athletes taking a political stand? So to me, I don't have a huge gripe against, against an athlete who uses their platform mm -hmm. to make to take a political stand like they have they have the freedom to do that the right, right to do that especially like on their own personal time that's you know, like the first amendment and everything else mm -hmm. my biggest gripe is when athletes 
and or the teams as a whole, or again, like the entire league, when they use their their time at work. So like, you know, if they have the uniform on pregame, postgame, during the game, if they do something during those times, then that's when I have the biggest issue because as someone who works in corporate America, if I was going out there to make a political stand or, or you know, doing things that are against company policies, I could get fired. Right. Right. Like your your responsibility when you are at work, and that's what these these athletes athletes are doing when they're playing their games and everything, even before leading up to the game and after, they are at work. Mm-hmm. So that's what bothers me the most. Use your platform, great, but do it on your own time. Mm-hmm. Um, do not bring your stuff that needs to that. Do not bring your platform into the workplace. And some people might say. Oh, hey, that's the mentality of the the shut up and dribble and everything else. And to me, I I disagree with that. I'm not saying that you cannot have a voice as as an athlete, but I'm saying keep it outside of the workplace. When you are there to play a basketball game, play your basketball game. When you leave the arena, then do whatever you want to do. You know, Michael Jordan was is famously said back in um, it was probably the '90s at the time, but he said he has that phrase that says Republicans buy sneakers too, like. You know, Michael, you're the most popular athlete in the world, not just in the NBA, but the world. Like, why are you not speaking out about some of these things? And mm-hmm. that was his response. And I think maybe later he kind of tweaked it a little bit with this whole Michael Jordan uh, <laughs> documentary that came yeah. out like a year or two ago. But, you know, that was his mindset. Like, why am I going to possibly alienate half the half of my market? That's a great So. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> the, the, my biggest gripe is when they bring it into the workplace. When you're at work, do work. And then once you're outside of work, you know, be the individual that you are. That's a great point because I think that we're so quick as conservatives to cut off everyone else's First Amendment rights to the freedom of speech. I don't think we fully comprehend how much, um, because we have the freedom of speech, everyone sh- else should. It covers everyone, not just a group of people so I think that's really important to think about and then also um sometimes like you said if they decide to do it off their time there's still those like natural consequences of like if they choose to support BLM which is um a Marxist group there's going to be some pushback so I think that um if a sport sports team or athlete um chooses to do that off time um there's a better chance of them not getting as much pushback because they're still doing their job they're doing what they're supposed to be doing um and so i think that's really important as well as there is a lack of knowing really what to do necessarily in those situations because i think that especially at 2020 with the rise of the black square black lives matter i think that there was a huge um emotion wave i think that's a good way to describe it because I feel like my generation is more towards feelings we talked about this in the last podcast episode where everyone gets offended easily there's this like wave of emotions that probably wasn't there um back in the 80s and the 70s and all those things um but we're now experiencing this where people's toes are going to get stepped on and there's apology letters and vice versa you know so it's just interesting Mm -hmm. to see really how athletes are bending to the culture and necessarily trying to take a stand because I think that, like you said, it can come from either way. I think when we think of 
someone making a political stand in sports, it's necessarily a bad thing. But I think that there have been some, like Stephen Curry, for example, with basketball. He has and he wears Bible verses on his shoe. That's a stand. It might not be a political stand, but it's something. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing that bothered me was when um, they started with football. It was football teams who started to do this, where they would kneel for the uh, for the national anthem. I think that was the biggest thing for me. It bothered me. I think that um, I stand with the saying that says, stand for the flag and the Pledge of Allegiance and then kneel for prayer. That's always the way mm-hmm. it's been. And so I think that when they did that, it was a whole new level of disrespect for those who have come before them, who have fought for their freedoms, who gave them the freedom to even do that. Um, and so I think that was the thing that bothered me the most. Um, but what has been the average American response? And I have something to add add to this when um, after, <laughs> after you respond to this, but um, what has been the Americans' average response to the massive invasion of wokeness into their sports? Well, from my, my vantage point, it seems like there has been the, the American people, you and I, you know, just American people in general, it hasn't been welcomed. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've kind of already talked about that sports was a safe space. It was where you could go to as an escape from your daily life, the stresses of life, whether that's, you know, stresses at home with, with family or stresses at the job and, and everything else. Sports was a way to, to just watch other people do amazing things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to cheer for a team, to, to join hands, so to speak, with, with, with the fellow fans and, and supporters of your team and everything like that. So at least from one half, because, you know, it, it did it is political, so it engages, you know, our two major political parties, mm-hmm. definitely push back on, on the right, right? Because all these, all the, the, the politicalization of sports and everything and the wokeness and, and all of that, the virtue signaling, on the right, we say, you know, like, what they are doing is is political. It's certain things are disrespectful. Other other things, other stands that are being taken are, you know, shouldn't we're not taking seriously because mm-hmm. there's like some form of hypocrisy that goes along with it. You know, like we, you know, that's I guess inherent with the term virtue signaling. So yeah, I would say there is a pushback. I wouldn't say I don't want to call it like an overall boycott, but we have seen examples and heard examples where people are you know, pulling their money, like if, you know, if they're a season ticket holder, they're no longer a season ticket holder. If they paid for a special TV package or whatever to watch all the games, you know, they might, they might pull that subscription just so they're not supporting, you know, like the uh, NBA or the NFL in like a red zone package or Mm -hmm. major league baseball and like all these different, you know, satellite TV packages and other things like that. So people do speak with their dollars. um, And that could be, again, from just not showing up, you know, supporting the team and, the uh, the teams organizations losing that revenue it could be ad sponsors but at least from one half of the aisle our half of the aisle it has been unwelcomed um, because it wasn't broke right beforehand mm-hmm. uh, and then now all of a sudden politics has been injected into it it's getting injected into everything mm-hmm. and people don't want that when they're just trying to have a good time yeah and I I kind of like how you said that where people think with their dollars and they're thinking and choosing to withdraw that. I think that like 
For the majority, there were on Yahoo Sports, they reported that 34.5% of Americans are watching sports less today than they were a year ago. And that's a huge, that's close to half of Americans, um, if you look at mm-hmm. the um, statistics, but that's pretty huge. I think if people are more like you and me, I, I think that you started, you stopped watching sports because it just became unappealing, right? Like, I think for the average person, we stopped watching sports because when you watched the NBA, or at least for me, all I could think about was that they were wearing BLM shirts and that they were supporting um, not only an organization that was not representing the right people in the right way, but then also mm-hmm. just making a mess of America. They were rioting, they were looting, they were being, um, they were acting in illegal activities, things that were not okay and still aren't okay. Um, so that that's my opinion. What about you? Yeah, and Adam Silver, right, the, the mm-hmm. commissioner for the NBA, he was, he's on record, I think, after that first year, trying to trying to finish out the 2020 and the 2021 season. I think he would, I believe he was asked, like, hey, are you going to continue, you know, with all of this into the next basketball season? Mm-hmm. And and he looked basically like at the bottom line, you know, and saw the, the amount of revenue that was lost because people were no longer tuning in and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And he's like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Um I think the NFL kept it going for a second season. I, I'm pretty sure it's it, it either trying to do the timeline in my head, right? So we had the 2020, yes. the 2021 season, we had 2021, 2022. So I think it, I think like the end racism and stuff at the back of the end zones still existed, but I think yeah. this year maybe they're they're doing away with that, or maybe they got it off the field, but it's still if the player wanted could have it like on the back of their helmet and everything else. Um, but yeah, it's. It's like everyone, well, specifically for the, for BLM, mm-hmm. um, and BLM, right, is separate from Black Lives Matter. BLM is the organization. BLM is the one that you're just, you know, describing everything that they were doing back in, in 2020 and, mm-hmm. and beyond. These leagues and stuff, they, they were so quick, you know, to not be labeled or chastised for not saying, hey, we're not racist, you know. Right that there was no vetting of this organization, BLM. Mm-hmm. And as we've come to find out, hindsight's twenty twenty. you know, they <laughs> Marxist organization, you know, they don't want the nuclear family. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they don't advocate for, for like the, the betterment, the improvement of, of the black community um, and everything that just rolls into to Marxism. And then it seems like they, or they have taken tens of millions of dollars away from, you know, the Americans who donated to them thinking that they were donating to a good cause. Mm-hmm. It was like a huge, um, a huge, not, I don't think hoax is the right word. Right. But it was, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not who they said they were supposed to be. So all of these, so what happens is like this, this quick judgment, everyone wants to be the first person. They don't want to be chastised. They don't want to. Um, and, and then what happens is they get like ahead of their skis, right? They put the, the cart before the horse and okay. then they're, then they're left looking, they as in like these leagues are left looking foolish because then when they get questions about, you know, like, hey, you know, can you explain to us why you supported this organization or why you made this decision? Like with Major League Baseball, um, Paul Manfred, the the commissioner for Major League Baseball last year, pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta 
um, because of a Georgia voting law. I remember that. And, <laughs> yeah, and and that Georgia voting law, either whoever advised him on that, um, either didn't read the law mm-hmm. or did read it, lied to him, and it was moved, and then it gets moved to to Denver, Colorado, and Colorado has stricter voting laws than the state of Georgia. Right. And you know, and all these questions are being asked, like, so, like, how hypocritical, you know, are you? How, <laughs> how not serious are you? Kind of thing. Yeah. And then taking money from the from the black communities that would have, was going to have the additional income from the revenue of the fans visiting for the All-Star game. You know, that whole mess, they just wanted to be, everyone else was crying foul and they wanted to join in and be the one to yell the loudest and be like, oh yeah, well watch this. We're just going to take, I think it was projected to be like 60 plus maybe million dollars of additional revenue or something like that out of the city of Atlanta. And then the Braves, my Braves, right? When I won the World Series, so they got some of the money back anyway. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, these these organizations they're they're so fearful of the small minority who would be the ones to to cry foul and say like, why aren't you standing up for this? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And then let a little bit of time go by, and the pushback from the fans, you know, like we've talked about yeah. pulling their money out. It's um. They end up looking foolish, but however, it seems like the only people who actually acknowledge that are those on the other side of the political aisle, in this case, our side of the aisle, and they don't really get any kind of pushback, it seems like, from from their own groups. It's There's no accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can weather the storm for 24, 48-hour headlines and things like that, news um, cycle. But yeah, they're just so quick to be, to, quick to act and end up in these cases looking looking foolish in the process. I think it's quite ironic that they continue to do the same thing over and over again. There's no like learning process. I like how you said mm-hmm. there's no accountability. Um, I think that's kind of how it went downhill is where there was no accountability. It took managers a long time to realize how much money was coming out of um, being so woke and making political stands. But it just, it feels like there's no change there's no change in sports there's no change in news organizations um and Mm -hmm. i think it's just it makes the american people upset and there's some people who take a stand and try to make a really great like search engine like DuckDuckGo, but we just figured out last week that they're still taking our information like google would so it's quite interesting that nothing is untainted but i guess it just speaks to how downhill we're going but I think that there's like hope in the fact that if you belong to Jesus there's um there's an end goal there but um I guess I want to change gears here and talk about the Olympics we've been talking about NFL um also uh the NBA anything that pertains to American sports but um do you have any opinions on last year's olympics or just the olympics in general well uh, well the olympics in general like as i guess an, an institution like you have the summer and the winter olympics those are great you know a great time to to show your american pride um for the other countries their you know their citizens and everything to show the pride of their country like that's the whole mm-hmm premise or that's the whole point like one of the main points behind the olympics is is like your national your national pride and then also the competition within that um or surrounding that but leading up to to these last winter olympics i remember the discussion was centered upon you know it was coming out of the pandemic right was okay 
is the U.S. going to boycott and pull themselves out of the Olympics? Mm -hmm. Like, as a way to tell China, you know, this came from China, right? The, the pandemic came from China. So as punishment for that, because we haven't seen any type of, of punishment for that, there has right. been no, you know, money paid or anything like that or whatever. It was going to be like, is this going to be one of the ways in which the United States of America is going to punish China would be to pull out of the Olympics. Right. And to me, that was, that's, that's tough because on one hand you want to maybe show China like, Hey, like, you know, we're taking this very seriously and this is the punishment because we know America always sends the most athletes America with the TV contracts and everything else generates the most revenue out of any other country. But then on the other hand, you have these athletes that have been working their, you know, entire adult life preparing for this moment and then to take that away from them. So that's, that would be a tough decision to make if I was like the leader of the U United States Olympic committee, you know, to just say like, we want, it's not necessarily penalizing those the, the American athletes, but it would be, it would be taking something from them that they had nothing to do with. Right. Right. Um, and then also not just with the pandemic, but there was also the conversation and the other argument was, okay, well, if you're not going to penalize China for the pandemic, then how about we penalize them for their, um, atrocities with the Uyghur Muslims, right? Right. Like if we say we stand up for, you know, for human rights and, and against, <clears throat> against the mass incarceration and internment camps and killing and everything of, of people, right? right. <laughs> like we do that within the UN and everything else. So then why are we not holding China accountable mm -hmm. and then boycott the Olympics for, for that reason? Right. Uh, I would say that is a stronger reason than, than the pandemic. But again, it's it's a difficult decision to an extent because then other people are being penalized that have nothing to do with it. Um, so I guess I wanted to see the athletes be able to compete. I did not like all the, the different things that were still happening as far as um, masks and vaccines and everything else, all those different requirements that were still taking place with within the Olympic and the, the competitions and all that stuff. And there not being any fans and, you know, imagine skiing downhill where you're used to hearing cowbells and all of a sudden you're skiing and it's just like, you're up there on the side of the mountain. <laughs> That'd be so doing sad. Doing a practice run. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was, I didn't watch the Olympics. I, I think I didn't, I just didn't want to go through two weeks of the, the politicalization that, that was going to go along with it. Um, but yeah, I would say there was at least there's at least a hard decision to make leading up to it because individuals were going to be penalized our our own athletes for something they've worked years upon years for potentially even a decade or more. So I feel like there has to be another way to penalize. Well, now that we're past it, but at that time there could have been maybe other ways to penalize China while still having our athletes compete. But I, I was tired of the, the COVID stuff and all that. So I, I just didn't, I just didn't tune in. I was tired of the COVID stuff too. So I didn't tune in. I haven't tuned in, I think for the past two Olympics, I think when I started researching into the Olympics and really what it was and what um, the Olympic villages were and just how immoral and disturbing really um, what happens at the Olympics, I think I just 
So I think it was the same thing with um, sports. I just, the only thing I could think about when I was watching it was everything else that I had researched into. But I think the idea of the Olympics is just so futile because if you look at the money that trails behind the Olympics and really what it takes to hold an Olympics in your country, it leaves people in poverty. If, if you're someone who um, really, like you said, with the um, Christians who are being persecuted in China, if you are someone who cares about human rights and says over and over again, I know a lot of progressives say this, like, oh, we're for human rights. Well, why weren't you for human rights for every single Olympics where it shows in studies that most of the population are left and um, many homes are destroyed to build stadiums for the Olympics or to host homes, um, different things like that. It takes a lot of money to um, provide food, clothing, um, housing for these athletes. I think that it's huge that they they take a blind eye to it and there's no repercussions for really um, putting these people in a position that they didn't really ask for either. So I think it's a huge thing. I also like that you brought up that these athletes have been training for their whole life. I remember Gabby Douglas um, when she was, she had a, I think it was a documentary over her life and just really what it took to become a gymnastics athlete with the Olympics. It was huge because they trained day in, day out, so much effort put into it. I think there's a good side of it where I see that there's dedication, there's discipline that's um, enacted in those people's lives, and um, it's interesting to just watch that. But at the same time, is it healthy for those people? I see a lot of athletes come out on the other side, especially those who are raised from a young age who had trained from the age of like three, four, or five, you know, whatever. And they're mentally not there afterwards. I think that's something to look at. It's um, mentally damaging to put our kids through so much strenuous um, athletic training, um, as well as not being able to go to church. I know a huge movement, I think, through, um, I guess, like, 2011 forward where parents would start to choose sports outings instead of going to church and so they're not getting their spiritual needs um where they should be put and so i think that that's a huge thing um they're not uh, they do not already have the infrastructure in place mm -hmm. and the olympics is just for a season so once the olympics is gone there aren't the teams and everything else to to fill up and utilize those those stadiums um so then you just maybe have like seasonal jobs yeah. typically and then seasonal jobs are not full-time so yeah there there is like uh some economic poverty an economic crater that is left behind after the olympics for sure yeah that's what really bothered me i'm like these people are left um it's kind of like the california situation where they're bulldozing over housing for apartments but it's leaving their um real estate market in a total turmoil it's crazy um but thank you brian so much for um joining us today we had a really great discussion i'm so glad that we um went in depth really into sports because no one really talks about it as we said um at the beginning but thank you so much do you want to share again where people can find you and um i can link all of that in the bio of this episode Yes, Anna, thank you again for having me. Uh, if you would like to listen to the Kind of Thought podcast, you can find it anywhere you listen to your podcast. Also, you can watch me if you would like on 
uh, YouTube and Rumble. Follow me on IG. That's the primary social platform that I, social media platform that I use, and it's at counter underscore thought and at counter thought CEO. Awesome. Thank you so much.